Morning. We have uh, Kids Church for any newcomers that want to send their kiddos with Stephanie right back there. You can raise your hand. All right. Easter Sunday, or as I'd rather say, Resurrection Sunday. Um, today, Christians across the world are celebrating this special day of memory, the day that Jesus was uh, crucified and was buried and then rose from the grave. And I find it noteworthy after studying this subject deeper, you know, as we prepare for this sermon this morning, that it's one of the few annual celebrations that we have to commemorate Jesus, who, you know, is this, the Son of God. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we have 365 days in a year, and there's a few significant days that we celebrate, either the birth of Jesus or the, uh, the death or the resurrection. Um, but we don't celebrate many other days specifically annually. Um, I find it noteworthy we don't celebrate in John chapter 2, his first miracle, the wedding uh, in Canaan, and he turned water to wine, and uh, his mother went to the master, or went to Jesus and said, hey, they're running out, and uh, the master of the banquet then was surprised at how good the wine was when uh, Jesus turned the water to wine and said, usually it's the good stuff first, and then the bad stuff lasts, and this way, the best stuff is at the end. You turn that, uh, you, you did this, and um, I'm surprised we don't talk about that more. Or in Matthew chapter 3 and 4, we have the baptism of Jesus, and then we have the temptation of Jesus that happens in Matthew 4 before he starts his ministry, before he goes and does his, his first appearance in his, uh, in his hometown. And we don't celebrate that. We don't have an annual day that says, hey, we're going to celebrate the day that Jesus was tempted after 40 days of fasting. Um, or when Jesus walked on water in Matthew 14, and Peter also walked on water for a minute. I was talking to Monty and I, before church, and I said, yeah, I believe that we, if we used our entire brain that God gave us, that we too could walk on water. But we don't have like a day of floating or something in July to commemorate that time when Jesus walked on water and then and then Peter came and walked on water until his faith kind of started to dissipate a little bit. Um, or John chapter 9, I, I've, I've often, I've read that story and I just think about the significance of that story and what happened that day in John chapter 9. Go with me to John chapter 9 if you would, starting in verse 1. There's a few lengthy readings I'm going to have today, but I'm going to try and read them in a way that they're written. And I'm going to try and read them in a way that you can follow along and recognize how awesome this story is and what was going on and what happened. So in John chapter 9, starting in verse 1, it says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, talking to Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus replied, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as, as, long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva. I want you to picture this is what Jesus is doing here when he sees this man blind from birth. And they said, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus goes down and he spits on the ground. He makes some mud with the saliva and he put it on the man's eyes and says, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. 
His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. The other said, no, he only looks like him. It's just a, it's a doppelganger. It's just a guy that looks like him. He, he's, he's, that was the guy that we think was blind, but it was just his twin. Others said, no, he only looks like him, but he himself insisted, I am the man who was blind. How then were your eyes open? They demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. So these people brought this man who can now see, who was blind, but can now see, to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But the others asked, How can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Some like, It doesn't make sense that this man can see. And the other says, Well, he's a sinner. But they said, Well, but he's from God. He got somebody that was blind to now see, so he must be a good guy. Finally, they turned to the blind man. What do you say about him? He is a prophet. The Jews still not believe that he had been blind and had recovered his sight until they sent for the man's parents. And then they go, is this your son? They say, yes, this is our son. Wasn't he born blind? Yes, he was. Well, how can he see? Well, he is of age. Let him, ask for him, let him speak for himself. He's old enough to speak for himself. He doesn't need a parent to answer for him. They said this because they were afraid that some of the Jews would kick them out of the temple if they acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah. So in verse 24, it says, A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, meaning tell the truth. We know this man is a sinner. And this is what the blind man says. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. Why don't we have a day in August that is a day of seeing or a day of no longer blindness? I don't know what to even call it. But there's all of these amazing stories that happen with Jesus that we don't have the name of that day or we don't celebrate that day annually. But for some reason, we celebrate Resurrection Day. We celebrate what we call Easter. And oftentimes, because we call it Resurrection Day as Christians and a lot of people call it Easter, society has turned this day into a day of family and a day of eating um, non-kosher foods, and a day of searching for candy-filled Easter eggs or eggs in the yard, and we lose the significance, oftentimes within the church even, we lose the significance of what happened. Somebody was crucified, they were put in a tomb, and then a few days later, they were seen walking around showing themselves. Now, this idea, it's easy to say, yeah, someone rose from the dead, someone rose from the dead. But put ourselves in today, 2022, and in 2021, I believe it was the day before 2022 happened, my grandmother, 93, God rest her soul, passed away peacefully in her sleep at 93 years old. And a few days after that, we had to, or a week after that, we had some family members come and we were going through some of her belongings and we were going through pictures and pieces of jewelry and my she had some stuff that my grandpa had the most gaudy ostentatious bolo ties and things that you I mean just things that none of the young men in the family would ever wear but in his era that was the cool stuff to wear so he had it my grandma had a hold of it so we're going through all of these things as family members 
And we're talking about her and we're having these memories. And I want you to imagine with me, if you will, or put yourself in our shoes, if we hear a... And we open the door and there's Grandma Anna. Can you imagine if that were to happen? I mean, we would call, I don't know who we'd call, Daily Sentinel, the New York Times, Newsweek. What magazine would we call? Martyrs? I don't know. We would call a magazine and say, look, you won't believe this, but this person, this grandmother of mine, was in a tomb. She was in a grave. She was in a casket. And she rose from the dead and she was showing herself to me and walking around and, and talking and saying, oh, remember this bruise when I fell? Can you imagine that, Dad, if that were to happen? We would just be completely blown out of our minds. Well, almost 2,000 years ago, that did happen. Historically, that happened. And there's a story in Luke chapter 24, and I preached on this message uh, several years ago on an Easter sermon, and it's called The Road to Emmaus. And in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13, it says here, uh, am I on the right page, Luke 24, 13? The Road to Emmaus. Now, this is after the resurrection of the dead, and the same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. In verse 14, it says, They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Either Jesus has a good sense of humor, or there's another plan that he has. But I like to think Jesus has a good sense of humor. So he's wanting like, I'm going to be on the fly on the wall. I'm going to be, in, if you could be anything, what would you be? I would be invisible. Or I could see through people. Or I could fly. And Jesus keeps himself from being known to these two that are walking along the road to Emmaus. And he says, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know what the things that have happened in these days? Well, what things? So here's Jesus, resurrected from the dead, walking with these two, saying, what things have happened? About Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God. And all the people, the chief priests and our rulers, handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hope that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus took the time after the resurrection, after he rose from the dead, to walk with these people on the road to Emmaus. And then he spent time after that showing proofs, many convincing proofs, that he, look at the, hand, look at the hands, Thomas. This is me. I really rose from the dead. Now, it's easy to read these stories and just go, oh, yeah, this was written 15 or 18 or 2,000 years ago. But if you think about it, again, if my grandma Anna... <laughs> What are you doing? What are you doing here? Is, I mean, you'd start poking. Is this an angel of the Lord here? This is worthy of us noting every single day, not just annually. 
The fact that He rose from the dead is worthy, is noteworthy for us to recognize who Jesus was. We celebrate annually Independence Day, which commemorates the signing of the Declaration of Independence on July 4th. We celebrate it every single year. Every single year we celebrate Memorial Day of the, the servicemen and women. We, we, we celebrate Thanksgiving, an annual reminder of the provision and the blessings of God. We celebrate Labor Day about the contributions of the American worker. And every year we celebrate this, this Resurrection Day. And when I look at Independence Day, and I look at Memorial Day, and I, and I look at Thanksgiving, and I look at Labor Day, the natural question that I think I have to ask is, what's that have to do with me? I think that's fair. What, is, what does the signing of the Declaration of Independence have to do with Nate Porter and his family? What does Memorial Day have to do with Nate Porter and his family? What am I thankful for every Thanksgiving when I sit down and we say, okay, give us something you're thankful for? And we remember that we were freed from tyranny. We were freed from religious persecution by the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And we remember on Thanksgiving that God has provided us the ability to work and the ability to, to prosper and the ability to have food and to grow food and to harvest animals so that we can eat and we can give thanks and glory to God like the Jews did annually at their festivals. So I have to ask, and I believe you have to ask, what does Resurrection Day mean to you? How does it affect you? What is in your heart and your brain and your world where you can look at the Resurrection Day and say, personally, what is the point of Jesus resurrecting from the dead? That's what you have to ask. And that's what I had to ask. And that's what I have to ask daily. But today, annually, we look at this and it gets a little bit deeper. And I'm not going to spend an entire Sunday morning trying to convince you that Jesus rose from the dead. It's been written about, it's been talked about, it's been discussed, it's been espoused. For 2,000 years, we have not disproven the fact that Jesus of Nazareth rose from the dead. We have writings after writings after writings and accords and accounts and apologetics that if you don't believe Jesus rose from the dead, I don't know what to say. It's like saying, I don't believe the sky is blue. Okay. I don't believe in gravity. Okay, I don't know what to tell you. It, 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 it exists for some more than others. It exists. So for me to sit here and argue about or discuss or try and, and try and prove to you the resurrection happened, it, it did. Jesus rose from the dead. He is risen indeed. And I look up that word resurrection and it's ana, uh, anastasis, which means in the Greek, a standing up again, a moral recovery, a rise from the dead, a resurrection from death. Okay, I don't want you to miss this next 15 or 20 minutes. I don't want you to miss this. I hope you can lock in and focus because I'm talking when people, man, I feel like Nate was talking right to me. I am. I'm speaking right to you. I'm speaking right to you. I'm speaking right to you. I had you in mind, every one of you, when I prepared this message. And I asked God, I said, God, you know me better than anybody. 
you know I'm not real sharp. You know that I'm going to need help putting this together. You know that I need to be bold. You know there's going to be people that come to the service today that might hear one message in their life of truth. And regardless of what I thought I was going to write, I just put stuff together here that I felt God was leading me. And when God says, pray for wisdom and do not doubt, I said, Lord, put on my heart a message to teach the congregation that will glorify you, Father. That's the important thing. This day, this resurrection day, is a day that we celebrate annually. Jesus escaping death and conquering death. But what does that have to do with me? Kyle, what's that have to do with you? Jess, how does that affect you? Well, this day is also a day that should cause us to think, what about my resurrection? What about my death? What about me going from this to this? That's what the resurrection day is about today. We know Jesus rose from the dead. We know he walked. But what does it have to do with you? In Luke chapter 15, there's another story that I'm going to read. And you guys have all heard it, you've read it, and it's all been used in, in different teachings. And it's the parable of the lost son, but it's called the prodigal son. Okay, you've heard the prodigal son. The parable of the lost son. Jesus is continuing his, his story of parables. He talks about the lost sheep and the lost coin, uh, the great banquet, the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. And then he comes to this parable of the lost son. And he says, he continues, and he says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. You have a father who owns quite a bit of things. And he has two boys. And the first boy came to the father and said, Give me my share, my inheritance of your estate. And so what does the father do? He divides the property among his boys. And he gives the son that asked for his share his fare. And after that, the younger son had got together all he had and he set off for a distant country and squandered his wealth in wild living. So that tells me that he's old enough to travel on his own. That tells me a little bit later on in the story some of the things he was doing with prostitutes that he was a young man and not a 12-year-old boy. Okay, He was a young man who decided to go off into a distant country and squander the money that his father had given him, his inheritance. And after he spent everything, there was severe famine. You know the story. And he didn't have any money. His friends left him. And so he decides, well, I better just get a job. And so he gets a job uh, hiring himself out to be a citizen where he fed pigs. Now, if you study Jewish history at all, you recognize this is like the lowest of the low of the low of the low job. You're feeding a swine. You're feeding an unclean animal. And that was his job, was to feed pigs. And he was so hungry, he just wanted to eat what the pigs could eat. And he looks around and he has this realization and he goes, I've got a resolution. I'll just go back to my father's house and ask him if he'll take me back. 
Because this is ridiculous. I, I, I'm sitting here. I am the son of a man who gave me enough inheritance to live wealthy for a while. So I'm just going to go back to my father's house. So he goes back to his father's house. He goes to him and he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. This is what he's thinking he's going to say. Make me one of your hired men. And if you know the story well, it says, while he was still a long way off. For those of you that think you need to become a perfect individual for Jesus to love you, have been sold a bill of goods because it's not true. While this, while this son who had squandered his father's wealth was going back to the father, it says the father came up to him and was like, I told you. I told you. I knew you were going to screw up. and I, That's not what it says. It says the father ran while he was still a long way off. The father was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And, and the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven. I have sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son because everything I have done has been against your will. Everything I have done has been against your will. And the father did not say, you're right. You made a mistake. He didn't say, you're right, you pathetic loser. You're right, you owe me my money back. That's not what he said. What he did was say, quick, to the servants, bring me the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring a fat calf, kill it, let's have a party. Because this son of mine was dead. But he is alive again. You see, this resurrection idea is not just for Jesus. Listen to this. This resurrection idea is not just for Jesus. My son was dead, but he has stood up again. He has had a moral recovery. He has been raised from the dead. He has been resurrected from death. And I would venture to say that there's a little bit of prodigal son or daughter in all of us. I can tell you in spades, if you really want to get to know Nate Porter, <laughs> there's a lot of prodigal son in me. There's a lot of lost son in me. Or should I say, there was a lot of lost son in me. That son has been found. That son sees again. He is no longer blind. I remember my, I remember my resurrection story. Uh, I'll call it my journey. I remember the journey that I had from squandering and living uh, in a way that was not pleasing to God and turning to Him. And that journey back was difficult and that journey back was longer than most. But the journey was coming back. And the whole time, I felt like I was walking back to the Father. I always felt arms open. I never felt condemned. I always felt the arms were open from God, saying, come home. Come home. I, I want you here. I, I want to be part of your life. I want you to do my will for my glory so you can experience the best possible life you can imagine. This is what, I lo this is what I'm looking for, for you. And... Last night, I woke up at 2.30 in the morning exactly. 
and I had a, a very vivid dream. And it was just, I woke up at 2.30, and I, I couldn't go back to sleep for an hour, and I kept thinking the same thing over and over and over in my head. It was 2.30 in the morning, and prior to me waking up, and I looked at my phone, I was like, oh, man, I was hoping it was 5.30, because then I could just get up. Uh, but I look at it, and the dream I had was I pictured one of my baseball players. And it wasn't anybody in particular. It wasn't like it wasn't Asher. It, I'm like, oh, that's Asher. Yeah, in the dream. That wasn't what it was. It wasn't Titus or Josh Brett. It wasn't you. I just, it was a guy in a baseball uniform. And I, and I looked at it. I was like, man, that's one of my players. But I couldn't nail down who it was. And he was standing a little bit in front and off to the side of a casket that was standing straight up. And the casket was empty. And I'm thinking, man, that's kind of strange. But then I looked at the face of this player, and he had this very irreverent, kind of um, disrespectful look on his face. And I, and I thought, man, that's, that's strange. And I woke up to that at 2.30 in the morning, and the same words kept coming to me over the next about hour. And it was, don't be flippant, don't be flippant, don't be flippant. And I kept thinking, I need to write this down. I've got to write this down. Don't be flippant. And I don't even know what flippant means. I just kept saying it. So I caught up this morning, and I looked up flippant. And it means not showing a serious or respectful attitude. That's the words that kept coming to my mind. Don't be flippant. Not showing a serious or respectful attitude. And I can remember for that hour, as I'm saying, don't be flippant, there was another passage that kept coming into my heart constantly. 1 Peter 4.11. I'm going to read it. In fact, I'll just say it. If anyone speaks, if anyone speaks, one should do it as he is speaking the very words of God. It's used in the context of gifting. If you are serving, serving to serve God. Okay? If you are speaking, do it in a way that you are speaking the very oracles of God. And so I'm putting this together and I'm going, okay, I've got people in my life that maybe do not understand the reverence that Jesus requires. The reverence that God requires that rose from the dead. And I put this in the context of God putting it on my heart to speak the words of God boldly and without hindrance as he did Paul. And I'm putting this in my heart about the resurrection of the dead and what does that have to do with me? And I begin to think about the book of Romans. And I'm going in the book of Romans, and I want to clarify something about the book of Romans. And the book of Romans was written to Christians. It's written to the saints in Rome. It says, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets regarding Jesus, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and through the spirit of holiness was declared, was declared with the power to be the Son of God, by his resurrection from the dead. Don't miss that. He says, who, Jesus, who was through the spirit of holiness, was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he says, and you also are among those who are called to belong to Christ Jesus, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. And so the author Paul is writing a letter to Christians in Rome. This is to the church in Rome. 
as it's biblically, not traditionally spoken of in many other sectors, but the church in Rome, Paul is writing this letter, and he's like, I want to visit you, and, and I want to tell you there's a wrath against mankind that's coming because of what God has done. God has created things so that men are without excuse. And then he goes on to say, God's judgment is righteous. It is right. And the Jews and the law, we need to talk about that. It's not whether or not you are circumcised and you are a Jew outwardly. It matters if you are a Jew inwardly, is what Paul is telling them. And he says, God is faithful and righteousness comes by faith. And Abraham was justified by faith. And he used that as an example. It says, Abraham, the father Abraham, was justified by faith. And then in Romans 5, he talks about Adam, and he says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death came through sin. Remember, we're talking about, I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. The context of our resurrection, Ryan, the context of our resurrection, and the resurrection we're celebrating today has to do with you and me, and everybody in here. And he says, Just as sin entered the world through one man, and death came through sin, all, and in this way, death came to all men. Not some men, but all mankind, because all have sinned. And it says in another passage, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So as he's talking here, and he's writing this letter to the church at Rome, he talks about the gift is not like the trespass. And then he gets into, in verse 17, I think I have here, he says, For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, death came through Adam and it reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, of unmerited favor, and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So he's basically telling them, because of who our beginning father was and remember in the very beginning when it says in Genesis chapter 1 or I'm sorry Genesis chapter 2 God is talking to Adam and he says the Lord man took the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden and the Lord commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat of it you will surely die now, you guys know the story. Eve was there. The serpent, serpent uh, goaded her into eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam was right there with her and didn't cut off the snake's head. And he, and he, gave, he gave, did I say apple? I didn't say apple. I said fruit, right? It doesn't say apple. It's the fruit, the tree. So it never says apple. My, I don't even think it was a pomegranate. But it wasn't an apple because it doesn't say apple. But he gave it to her and she ate of it. And then he ate of it. And they both died. Well, if they died, why were they hiding? Because they were naked. What did they, where did they die? Spiritually. They died spiritually. And they needed a Savior to be brought back to life into a relationship with the Creator. Because they lost that. They lost that through their disobedience. And so this idea of going from death to to life, to being resurrected, to standing up again, to having a moral recovery, arising from the dead, is not a new concept in the Scriptures. And in Romans chapter 6, the writer says this, What shall we say then? He just got done telling them it was death through Adam and life through Jesus. There is a resurrection that's going to take place. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means, God forbid, we died to sin. 
How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us, he wrote back in Romans chapter 1, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Also, all among you, those who are called to belong to Christ Jesus. He's writing to a, an entire church body, the church at Rome. And he says, we died to sin, or how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Wait a second, is this a sermon on baptism or resurrection? Hang with me here. Hang with me here. We were, he's saying, Paul is saying, we collectively, we were therefore buried with Jesus, with him, through baptism, into death. In order that, so that, just as Christ was raised, we're talking about Resurrection Sunday, right? Just as Christ was raised from the dead, just as Christ walked out of that grave, He was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father in heaven, we too, we also, may live a new life. What does 2 Corinthians 5.17 say? For the old has gone and the new has come. When we talk about this resurrection, it's not just about Jesus, it's about us. It's our resurrection. It's us going from death to life. And in the context of Romans here, he's saying you are, you are united with Jesus in that grave. There is a spiritual power that happens when somebody is buried in that grave there. Okay? When somebody is buried in that grave of water, they are united with Jesus like this with Him in His death. I can't explain exactly why God does what He does when He does it. All I can say is, according to this passage, it says, if we have been united with Him like this during baptism in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. That's what it says. That's what it says. That's what it says. That's what the Word says. That's what the written Word of God says. If we have been united with Him in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. Jesus walked from death to life. If you continue on the story, and I encourage you to finish Romans chapter 6, but if you go on to Romans chapter 8, and one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is where it says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was dead, now I'm alive. You see the, 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 what's in the middle of those three things? Jesus. Are you, are, you, are you tracking? Blind, open. Lost, found. Dead, alive. There's something in the middle of those three things. Each one of them. And it's Jesus. It's our resurrection with Him. 
And in Romans chapter 8, when he says, you, however, to the same people, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if, the, if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Don't miss this. Your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. There's that idea of the resurrection again. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Guys, this, this idea and this concept is not taught in, in churches enough. And I don't understand. I don't understand how you can ignore clearly the scriptures that teach in Romans chapter 6. You were dead, you can be alive. Jesus was dead in a grave and he rose from the dead on our behalf for us. He was bruised for our transgressions, for our iniquities. And he rose to life out of the grave and he conquered death. And he's saying, you can do the same thing. The entire Bible is made up of three subjects. The entire thing. God created man. Man fell. And the entire Bible from Genesis 3.15 on is God saying, you don't have to die. You don't have to die. You can live forever with me. I've got houses I'm, I'm building for you. I've got a, a banquet. I've got a wedding banquet. I've got a table. I've got food. i got everything you can ever imagine. You don't have to die. That's Genesis 3.15 to the end. You don't have to die. And so when I look back at these stories and I look at the resurrection story, I, I have to ask, do you have one? Do you have a resurrection story? I've got a resurrection story. I'd be happy to share it with you. Steve's got a resurrection story. We've talked about it. I know my dad's got a resurrection story. I was a part of it. And my mom, my wife, I was there. The resurrection story, it's real. But do you have one? If you don't have a resurrection story, or you don't know if you have a resurrection story, then let's talk about it. Let's go from let's go from here to here. Oh. I think I get it now. Well, the reason why you get it now is cuz the spirit said, "Hey, can I I'm going to make my home with you." <laughs> your your body is now my temple. It's my house. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. I'm going to pray this morning, and uh, who has communion? Uh, Donaldo? Okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to pray a blessing on the message, and uh, after we have a communion service together, we are going to have a fun thing for the kids to do uh, after church, so you can come talk to uh, who's helping out with that a little bit. Rachel, you guys are helping out. Come talk to Rachel. Raise your hand real high. If you want to help out with the kids, she's going to kind of take charge. 
You're welcome. <laughs> I'm going to join the kids. All right. Father, thank you so, so much for conquering death. The idea of eternity doesn't even comprehend without you. Those sins that you bore, my iniquities, my shortcomings, my failures, and all the failures of every man, woman, and child in this room, Father, you took those upon you. And the depth of that sacrifice, I don't know if we can truly know until we meet you face to face and we bend our knee. Father, scriptures are very clear that you have given us to read and to study that we too can have a resurrection from the dead. We too can live a new life. We too can be freed from sin. Father, I pray a blessing on uh, every heart in this room that your spirit overwhelms them with the need to serve you and to love you, to repent if needed. Father, we know that the spirit is here for us to guide us, to give us knowledge, to give us wisdom, to lead us home. Thank you so much for uh, grace and salvation and mercy. Thank you for your sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.